Welcome to Kids Brain Detectives, the podcast dedicated to busy parents who would love to demystify their children. Each week, myself, Dr. Jennifer Morrison, my team here at Kids Brain, and some colleagues that also work with children but in different fields, take a piece of the kid puzzle, investigate, and help parents solve common kid conundrums. If you would like to discover more about your kids and explore ways to help your family grow and thrive, join us at Kids Brain Detectives. Welcome to the mystery of how to create tolerable humans. In the next few episodes, we will step through the process of being the parent you want your kids to be as they grow up and to talk through some parenting pointers and ways to connect with your kids so that you can create the family that you want. Join us for How to Create Tolerable Humans. Welcome back to Parenting Pointers with Dr. Morrison and Dr. Caldwell. So we talked in our last segment about an aspect of parenting and also with the full disclaimer that neither of us are parenting experts because... They don't exist. Absolutely. So we are experts in that we're psychologists and parents, but those two things do not merge. Like we're, we, we both are uh, both of those things at one time. So what we're going to talk a little bit about in this particular segment is the process of being imperfect, which is super hard for me, not because I am a perfect person, but because I am one of those fairly type A individuals that was raised to believe that the only way to succeed was to knock everybody off the ladder as you climb to the heights of success. So the concept of intentionally being maybe bad at this is something that rubs me the wrong way. Knowing that I mess it up all the time, the process of being imperfect is hard for me. So talk with me a little bit about what that means to you. So as you've said, you know, we are not experts in this, but I think that this is a particularly important topic. And I think it's one that some of you listening may have kids who display characteristics of perfectionists. Others do not, but I think we all struggle when we make mistakes. So I think many children struggle with perfectionism. Even the ones who don't may struggle with the concept of being okay after they make mistakes. Mistakes are uncomfortable. I don't know anybody, nobody that I've met hasn't experienced that discomfort that comes with making a mistake. For me, that looks like basically kind of a pain in my gut almost of, oh no, I messed this up. Sure. Well, and I think too, it it runs a little afoul of what we think of as um, what our role is as a parent, right? right? Our job is to teach and to correct the things that we see that we want our children to do less of, right? So we don't want them to do a specific thing. And so part of this process is to be a little bit critical. Like, I don't think any of us as parents would like to think that we are critical, but to critique, to take a look at a child's behavior, their skill set, their output and say, that's not quite right. Or I wanted this, but I got this other thing instead. So if part of our job is to help perfect, help refine somebody's skill set, 
then maybe the difficult part here is to recognize that that has to happen in tandem with the expectation that we also have to be really real with our kids to a certain extent, like to step up to the plate and say, I was trying for this and I got to this other place instead. It was I ended up in a different place. So when we're thinking about what this looks like from a like a, a parenting success standpoint, if we are going to parent imperfectly, perfectly, like if we're going to be perfect at parenting imperfectly, what does that look like? So I think that one of the, the examples that I can give is just being okay with your children basically pointing out things that they see in your behavior. And so I know that part of parenting is teaching respect, but when they see inconsistencies and what you say and what you do, and they point those out, how do we respond to that? I think an easy way to respond would be, you know, don't talk to me that way or don't say that or, you know, these rules that I'm teaching don't necessarily apply to me. So the do what I say, not what I do theory? Yes. Ah, does yes. that work? I don't think it does. And I, I think that what we have to remember here is that sometimes we feel like our kids don't have great memories. I can guarantee you <laughs> most kids have a great memory for noticing the inconsistencies in your uh, words and your behavior. So maybe the concept here is that the perfect approach to parenting is to be aware of what messages we're sending to our kids and to be aware of when our behavior goes against a message we want them to have. And then show it. Yes. And then I think it's also showing them how we recover from it. And so when they notice us making a mistake, acknowledging, yes, I told you the wrong time or yes, I was supposed to bring brownies today to school and I didn't. And that's okay. We all make mistakes. And just if you can, finding humor in it. So laughing at something, but it's just, it's it's helping them know how to recover afterwards from mistakes. So instead of teaching the message through a specific set of like regimented rules, right? We do this, we do that. Instead, what we're showing is the adaptability to put ourselves in a situation and say, this was the ideal. The ideal was that I would never forget that I was in charge of advisory lunch today and was supposed to bring donuts for everybody or whatever missteps have been there, whatever responsibility you thought you had that you fell through on. Like, oh, I know that I'm, and I'm really bad at this. I know I'm not supposed to yell at you, but I just now yelled at you. Perfect example. So what do you do when that happens? I think in those moments, first, I try to think about who I am conveying as an adult in that moment. Like, it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to be stressed about something. It's okay to be frustrated. But ultimately, for my boys, what I want them to be able to do is to have some resilience in the face of those kinds of stressors. And what that looks like is maybe taking a mental margarita moment and just taking five minutes in the bathroom to take some breaths or whatever to step away. Stepping away is not bad if you table it. Like this, I can't have this conversation with you right now without being upset. And I know it's going to be hard for you to hear my message when I'm mad. I'm going to take a few moments to get my emotional self under control. And then we're going to come back because I really need us to talk about this. I think it's okay to pause and to say, okay, I want to talk about this. But before I yelled at you earlier, and that is not the parent that I want to be. It's hard for people to hear your message when you convey it in, in an angry tone like that. I'm going to try in a different way now. I'm going to try to get my message through without yelling because I know yelling doesn't help us. What you're teaching in that moment is, A, you can have a flaw 
and still be an okay person, that you can be a good mom and make a bad choice, that you can be a good human and execute it poorly. The process, they call that a rupture, right? Like I had this moment, it blew up, like it ruptured, it's bad, it's gone completely sideways. The key to parenting appropriately is what happens after the rupture. What do you do? Right. Because you're going to have these moments where you lose your stuff in the middle of a moment and you're angry and you've Mm -hmm. lost your mind for just a second and you've impulsively said or done something that you didn't want to. And you know, because kids are really great at remembering the things that you do wrong, that this is like suddenly branded in your child's brain forever. The truth of the matter is that that's going to happen. We can't avoid that. If you constrain yourself so much that you never have those moments, then congratulations, sister, because I can't do it. (laughs) Me either. But what we handle from there, how we handle from there is the part that I think really is the proof that's in the pudding of parenting. Like, how do we help people from a big picture standpoint? And I think the help is there to recognize that you made a mistake to tell your kids that you made a mistake and that you didn't want that to happen, and then to show them that you are now repairing this process by choosing a different path. Absolutely. And I, I also think it's a it's a great time to teach basically apologizing and owning up to something that you did wrong. It's also in other circumstances a great chance to teach integrity because I don't know about you guys, but it seems like when you know a mistake has been made, you've made a mistake. If there are times where maybe you don't want anyone to know you made a mistake, but maybe the situation warrants that you do own up to your mistake. Sure. Well, here's what we're trying to avoid. And I have this conversation with parents all the time. They see something go wrong with their kids, right? It didn't turn out well. And the mumble that, oh, they're going to blame me for that one. Right. And there's always this like floating question mark above my head. How could they possibly blame you for that situation? They dropped the baseball on the baseball field. Like you're literally not even there. Oh, well, he was complaining earlier that we got the wrong size, you know, that he didn't bring his right glove or that I didn't put his glove in the bag. We're going to have a lot of segments that cover territory for what your parenting job looks like. And this is this is going to fall in that this is not your job territory. But part of the process of showing kids that you can take responsibility is helping kids take responsibility for their own stuff. I dropped the ball. This is not the best glove for me, but I was not in the right place at the right time to drop it. That's what you want your child to be able to say. Unfortunately, just telling your kids to take responsibility does not make them take responsibility. You have to take responsibility yourself. Why does it have to be so hard? Why do we have to be good people first for our kids to be good people? I don't know, but it, it is what it is, I think. But yeah, so I just, I think here, being okay with imperfection and realizing that we're all imperfect and we want our kids to see us be imperfect. I think that when I started as a parent, I, you know, I wanted to have it all figured out. I wanted, sure. I wanted to to do everything a certain way. And I think that it's important for our kids to see we don't necessarily have all the answers. We don't necessarily have it all figured out. And there is a balance there, of course. We don't right. We don't want them to think that we're always flying by the seat of our pants, but just helping them be more comfortable with uncertainty, with imperfection, with making mistakes. You know why that's important? Why? Because being a kid means you're going to screw it up more than you get it right. Because sometimes being a parent means you're going to screw it up more than you get <laughs> it right. Absolutely. <laughs> you know why? Because we're all learning, 
right? The process of learning is failing and then recovering and trying a different way until you get it to a place that you can tolerate. Our kids are doing that all day, every day. And we don't give them a lot of credit for that. More so though, we don't give ourselves a lot of credit for the part that we are all still on a learning curve. How many parenting books have you read? Right. Right. More than more than fits the bookshelf behind me. Right. So if that's the case and we're still saying that we're not parenting experts, it's because we, I think, truly have the understanding that what we're trying to do is the best of the situation that we have in front of us and to draw on the tools and resources that we have available. And when we mess it up to stop it down and say, hold up, I just misstepped right there. I made a mistake. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to do that. My message did not come through. I don't want you to hear that from me. Let's fix this before we move on to the next part, because that's ultimately what we want our kids to do with their spouses, with their families. And saying, saying all that, saying, I'm sorry. And then I, I ask my kids for forgiveness too. I say, I'm sorry that I did this. I'm sorry that I spoke to you that way. Will you forgive me? Yeah. They always say yes. Of course. Well, you've got little kids. My teenager will hold it against (laughs) me for the rest of my life. Um, And that's okay because I probably would have said the same thing to my mom. And when all is said and done, we're teaching lessons, not through our words, through our actions. That's the hard part because then we're going to have to do the hard work of actually being the parent we want our kids to be as adults when they are parenting, if they choose that role, or when they are interacting with others in their role as a coworker, a significant other, a friend, a family member. The process of being imperfect is the process of being human. So as much as we need to give our kids a little bit of a break and recognize that they are learning, I think the bigger picture is that we need to give our parenting selves a little bit of a break and say, hey, sister, you got up today and tried really hard to be the best parent that you could. And that means that you were a good parent because you didn't have to. You didn't have to get up and pull on your jeans and hope that it was a great day and to do your best to make those ruptures minimal. And then when something went wrong, to try to fix it. The effort that went into that is what creates good parents, not perfection. Absolutely. And if we can look at our mistakes from less of an emotional point of view, then I think we have the ability to learn from them better. This is what happened today didn't go great. I said some things I probably shouldn't have. Guess what? Tomorrow's another day and I'm going to take a different approach on this. And that's okay. That's learning. But that also means taking some of the shame out of it. Absolutely. That's another topic. So for those of you listening, if that shame element is something you want to know more about, look for it because we've got a whole nother topic on that one. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. Thanks for joining this week's Parenting Pointers. We can't wait to share more information next time. Welcome to this week's segment of Bond, Build, and Connect. These are tips for parents to help build that communication and the linkage between you and your child. Today's tip is called You Be the Boss. Parents boss their kids around all the time. It's just kind of a required part of their job. And my children will tell you that I'm really good at bossing people around. However, When we want to build a connection with our children, especially those that tend toward the stronger-willed time of their developmental windows or, in general, are harder-headed and need a little bit more structure and feedback from parents, you want to set up situations where your child can be the boss of the task 
And the reason why this is important is that when you insert opportunities for your child to gain control in circumstances when your parental control is not required, this can allow for a child who regularly fights for control with their parents to feel a sense of being in charge, but on terms that you are okay with. And in the long term, this gives the reduced fighting and conflict factor that comes into play, which is fantastic. So think about all of the simple tasks that your child can be in charge of deciding and executing. And for this one, what I want you to think about is all of the unilateral, meaning one person, so non-collaborative decisions that you make on your child's behalf that aren't necessarily parent decisions that have to be made. So these can be simple things for some of our younger kids, like picking the pair of pajamas they're going to wear or which toy they take into the bathtub at bath time or what story you read at bedtime. These are all really easy options because most of the time you don't need to be in charge of this. And as long as they change into their PJs and go and take a bath when you need them to or they settle to sleep after story time, then it doesn't really matter to most parents. We just want that positive endpoint of this task is completed. So pick things that are low leverage items for you, but high choice items for kids, and don't make it wide open. So which pajamas do you want to choose? Two, three options tops for your younger kids. Otherwise, they get overwhelmed by too many choices and it might actually be stressful. For your middle and older kids, let them choose between two or three options for something like dinner. You are probably going to cook all of these meals at some point over the next couple of days. So there's really no harm nor foul in them choosing for you for a particular night or let them assign seats at the dinner table or in the car. You can also do something like give them a budget and let them pick the cereal at the grocery store. These are likely items that you aren't going to eat anyway. If it's anything like my house, we have the kid version of breakfast foods and we have the adult version of breakfast foods. And there's other things like snacks where kids picking them as long as they're within the realm of what you are willing to spend is something that feels like they are in control when normally you could have predicted what they would have picked anyway. The bottom line is to think about all of the choices you make for your child and allow them to be the boss throughout the day. So essentially, the tip for today is to let your child be the boss. You're in your actions telling them you can be the boss of this one and relinquishing a little bit of control, but on your terms. Catch you next time for the BBC Tip. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Kids Brain Detectives. We hope you enjoyed your time here with me, Dr. Morrison, and my colleague, Dr. Katie Caldwell. We sure enjoyed talking with you and look forward to talking with you again soon. Check out the show notes and we'll catch you next time.